Are you ready? Oh, I am excited. Thank you. Thank you, everybody that is not here. Uh, thank you to all the fake applause. Thank you very much. Uh, I am very excited to uh, talk about today's podcast. Very excited. Today's podcast is the China situation. That's right. You heard me. The uh, Let's say China, China situation. Yep. That's the one. China. China. Yeah, uh-huh. China. China. No matter China, how many China, times China, he says China, it, China, you weren't China. listening. Right? No matter how many times he said that word, you were not listening. Right? Here it is again. He's going to do it again. Watch. You go over to China. 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 You take China. All right. We're going to take China. I'll take China for 200, Alex. Okay? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take China for 200. If I could leave that thing going for the entire three minutes... The hit has been recorded of him saying China in the background, and I could figure out that volume, I would have done it. I promise. I promise I'd have done it. <laughs> oh, this guy's crazy. Well, we're not going to be talking about him today, right? Because we don't really talk about what we're, we're going to dedicate a podcast to this guy. We're going to do it, right? Because you have to. You got to dedicate a podcast to this, this maniac. I promise. Okay? So, uh, yep. Sooner or later, that's going to happen. Anyway, we got to stop talking about him now because, you know, uh, he's he's he said everything that he needs to possibly say about whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So there you go. That's it. Here's what I'm going to say about Trump and China. Trump was right. All right. He was right. According to a Wall Street Journal article in January, this January. The uh, U.S. weapons industry is completely unprepared for a uh, conflict with China. And um, this is a report that was done, you know, by the American armaments industry, right? So, nope, that's not true. None of that is true. And uh, I, I don't believe the U.S. has exposed widespread problems in the American armament industry. I don't, I don't believe that. That's going to hobble the U.S. military's ability to fight a protracted war against China? Nope. No. I believe that under Barack Obama's reign. Uh, I do not believe that under Clinton's reign. And I say reign, right, when I use these words, okay? This is a very important word. I don't say presidency here. I've said reign, okay? Uh, and um, well, under the Bush's reign as well. Uh, but under Obama and uh, Biden, yes. Yes, I would believe that that's possible. But because of what Trump did um, in his presidency with the $875 billion and probably more that we don't know about that went to the defense budget, um, things that were may have been depleted during Barack Obama's day and time are not. So things are better, right? Um, the U.S. military has spent the last 50-plus years zipping up its fly. That's right. Yeah. That's why we don't have an armaments problem, because we spent the last 50 years zipping up our fly. Because for the last 50 years, we've been learning from the Vietnam War. Right? We've been learning from the jungle wars in Panama, which we will never fight again, by the way. Never going to happen. That, that, just, that, war, that war is coming if we go to Africa. And I promise you, we will be training an entire new group of people. And some government in Pan- Pan- some joker government in Panama is going to be to blame for something again. And then we're going to go in there and practice some more. 
right? It's going to happen. So it doesn't expose anything but the fact that the U.S. military is the best liar on the planet. That's all. U.S. military is built on a mountain of lies through espionage from the Revolutionary War right on through today. So you don't know what you think you know about the U.S. military and the things that I thought I knew, I probably don't know anymore either. So everybody's full of shit, all right? Including me. All right, good job. The, um, you know, there was a famous scenario about that in World War II, right? <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of General George S. Patton. Right? If you haven't heard of General George S. Patton, then your high school has failed you, period. Right? Your high school history department has failed you. That's it. Because Patton is, is instrumental in the growth of the American um, tank battalions and tank brigades. And without tanks uh, in our military, we're done. Like, I'm, that's literally done. Like, you could have all the jets and all the, all the boats you want, but jets and boats don't go on land, and that's where the people are. Okay? That's where all the people are. Nowhere else. Just there. And you can you can bomb the people from air, and you can bomb them from the sea, and probably miss most of them. You can take out all the infrastructure you want. That doesn't remove the people from the land, and you're going to have to crawl across the landscape with your M1A1 tank, and kill everything you see. That's it. You're going to have to grease the treads of your tracks, as tankers would say, with the blood of our enemies. Okay, that's what's going to have to happen. Anyway, the United States military built an entire fake army around Patton because the Germans were so afraid of him because he had what he had done in the years previous to that during World War II, right? So all the Germans were doing was monitoring his every move through encrypted radio transmissions. And he wasn't making any moves. He wound up going to places that he wasn't at and depleting their, their, where they should have been. And this is why one of the reasons they lost the ground war. In Europe, in, in Africa, okay, and and in Italy. So I got to ask you, what makes you think a misstep in a supply chain isn't on purpose, right? What makes you think saying a misstep on a supply chain is not on purpose? Well, I think it is. That's all, because I just told you the military is built on a mountain of lies, and it still is. You can't get into Area Fifty One, not even if you try. They were so threatened by that Facebook post that. They had to call the guy. <laughs> Tell me, can you take that down, please? Yeah. Guy's like, what? What'd I do? I was just kidding. <laughs> like, they, even if he wasn't just kidding. Like, he was right. We should storm Area 51. I mean, we, I mean, it's our stuff. We gave them the money to do that. Who do they think they ought to keep that shit from us? Honey, what does it matter? Right? Is it going to change your life knowing that there are no such thing as aliens? Is it going to change your life? It should. It should make you respect your neighbor more anyway, which is what China is refusing to do. So what makes you think that leaving all that equipment in Afghanistan meant the Taliban was bought and paid for when World War III starts with Russia? Huh? Well, what about that? All that stuff over there, you don't see them using it. How do you know we're not training them on it? And if we are training them on it, maybe we're training them on it to use against the Russians because we know we're going to have to. You ever think about that? All right, Nobody thinks about these things. Right? Hopefully somebody thought about it. Maybe the Russians thought about it. I don't know. You see, for the last 33 years, you know, we've been fighting on the ground in a troop-heavy mentality. 
right? House to house, door to door, things like that. But the Ukraine is a heavy metal war. You know, there's a lot of heavy metal going on. And what I mean by that is bombs in the air, uh, 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 not, not bombs from fighter planes and things like that. Uh, there's no, there's no, there's no um, big bombers up in the sky from 50,000 feet dropping shit on you that you can't see, right? Stealth bombers. There's none of that going on over there. But what they are relying on is um, armament. And what I mean by armament is uh, the um, large artillery, right, that, uh, that, that they're using. And in return, the Ukraine is using artillery as well. But if you were to put a battalion of M1 tanks on a street, right, on that field, instead, and have them roll across it, 68 tons heavy full of, full of rounds that they're going to use on you, right, at 45 miles an hour, with an armament system in it, no different from an F-16, then I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose that war. Not only that, but you can fire at it from other tanks, and your shit's going to just bounce off the M1, because there's a special armament on the M1. That's number one. And number two, the angles on the M1 are designed to do just that. So, no. Nope, you're not defeating that tank. And tankers trained in the U.S. military are just itching to use that stuff. I promise. You put them on a battlefield, and I promise you they will outperform. It's, it's kind of like fighter pilots on the ground. That's how good they are. They're fighter pilots on the ground. That's all. And they have all the equipment to be fighter pilots on the ground. And not only that, they're the fastest fighter pilots on the ground and the most accurate fighter pilots on the ground. And there's no goddamn way we're giving the Ukraine M1A1 tanks. I don't care what Joe Biden said. Okay? It would take months to train UK, Ukraine soldiers on how to use the advanced machinery. And if they are properly trained, when they do get in a fight, they might get up out of them tanks and run away and leave that tech behind. And we can't. Have that. There's no way we give that tech to the Russians because they're selling it to the Chinese and all of a sudden the Chinese are making M1A1 tanks. Only they're calling them Z1A1s. And they're using them against us. And then we're in a lot of trouble. Okay? That's right. So no military, you know, can actually stand up to the... um, relentless behavior uh, of this tank. That's what they do, right? They run away. You know what I'm saying? You go ahead and you you put a battlefield, you put a battalion of M1A1 tanks on a battlefield and that's all you're going to hear, right? That's it. That's all you're going to hear. I promise. Chinese will be saying that out loud in English. Okay? And if that happens, and Putin will absolutely need to drop a nuke on a field, on a battlefield. Yep. He will absolutely need to do it. Because once those M1 tanks start rolling, and they start killing everything they see, and guys start jumping out of their own tanks because this one isn't stopping, you know, to say hello to you, and they're running away, 
right? They're doing that that whole thing there, runaway, runaway business, okay? Uh, I think that's not going to be funny. And we're going to just keep driving, right? Right up until we get into Russia. I promise you. And if we're not the country we are supposed to be, at that moment, we drive into Russia. But if we are the country we're supposed to be, we stay on a border and we look at them and go, I dare you to do that again. Because that's the way you have to look at these M1A1 tanks. That's how powerful they are. That's how important they are to the battlefield. That's why no one talks about them. That's why everybody wants them. They want that tech and they want to sell it to China. I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. So you can forget that business. You know, the other thing is nine countries have invaded China. Ten, if you count the Manchurians. The Chinese have been around for 5,000 years. Every 500 years in math, someone invades China. That's it. Most of the fighting that China has done has been within itself. Okay? From warlord to warlord. Only three of those ten encounters, by the way, invasions were significant. and That's bad news for China, as they have not had to defend their shores from an invading army. Right? World War II, where Beijing got carved up by the Americans and the Japanese, was not a real invasion. It was more like the War of 1812, okay? And guess what happened there? Yeah, People laughed at them, right? And then people did this. That's all. That's what happened. That's what happened. There. That's the only thing that happened in China. They didn't even defend their own country. We went in and took that and basically destroyed their, their, their sacred city and looted and ransacked it. Nobody stopped us. That's a defeated people, even at World War II. Guess what? They're going to do that again. Yep. Yep, we come crawling across that shore with some M1 tanks. And the untested Chinese army is going to do that whole runaway thing. Okay? Right? The untested Chinese army does this. That's it. That's what they're doing. And there's, there's no other explanation for it. You know, a sluggish bureaucracy is absolutely going to hurt our military, right? It's going to hurt our military supply chain. And within the, within the Indo-Pacific theater, in a face-off with China on the water with navies, do we win? Well, tactically and experience-wise, yeah, we're the best. That's it. We're the best. However, there has only been a rare few occasions in history where the smaller Navy won. So there's always that. We were at least the smaller Navy twice, and we won. Okay? Let's get into some other things besides war with China, because that's inevitable. Um, an article from last September in The Economist alludes to the fact that a weak economic China could mean a more warlike China, right? So it, in, in the end, and as we transition in this podcast from war with China to the to the, econ to the economic war with China, physical war with China, to the economic war with China, I want to leave you with this last bit of information before we do that because it's important you remember this. Uh, and like I said, the, the article is from The Economist, and it, it alludes to the fact that a weak economic China could be a, a more warlike China, right? So, so when, when is America and China going to face the great danger of war, right? Well, <clears throat> there's several, several spots where that could happen. It could happen in 2049, when the communist leaders have promised a great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation and a world-class military. They promised that by 2049, okay? Um, it could be in 2035 when they 
aim to uh, complete the modernization of the national defense and armed forces. And, and that's a quote from their, from their own paperwork, right? Or it could be in 2027 when, according to the American military chiefs, China seeks to have their final wherewithal to invade Taiwan. All right? And at which point, the Taiwanese are going to do that whole runaway thing. And they're going to expect the United States to stand up uh, for them and uh, stand up to its uh, doctrine that, to protect China, uh, Taiwan from China or any invading army. Okay? So that's what's going to happen. And because of all of this, the two countries are doing what? What are they doing? They're competing for the dominance of, of the world, whether militarily or economically. Okay? And, and now you have to consider that they're actually trying to do that through technology. That's the only way they can get it done. So the scientific advancements which in, within the technological communities are important to the competition between the military powers and the economic powers, okay? Right? The technology is important to the military and the economic powers. So the technology comes first. So on October 7th, the Department of Commerce stated that the U.S. is going to ban the export of advanced computer chips to China, right, to restrict its technological progress and development of artificial intelligences. That's how important AI is to Chinese military capability. AI is important for improving all of China's military capabilities, and 95 of it, 95 of the advanced chips they used are designed by American semiconductor companies. Now, if you didn't know that, you need to know that in order to understand how we can start a war with China by doing this, okay? Well, you need to understand that because, look, the Chinese aren't coming over here. We'll get into that later, right? The technology is also used for surveillance purposes, and this is even more important to the Chinese government because it's producing face recognition technology that's enhanced by AI to spy on all of its people. And it's definitely something that governments like China not only want but need in some reasonable way in their own minds, right? So like we said earlier, China plans to take or to make the People's Liberation Army a world-class military by 2049. And that technology holds a significance, that, that, that AI technology is, is so significant for the Chinese military expansion. And it, it heavily is featured in China's five-year plan for 21 to 26, right? Because in 27, China's already said they would be ready to militarily annex Taiwan. That tells the United States you need to be ready militarily to defend Taiwan from China, who's ready militarily to annex it. It's not hard to figure out because what we can't have is our military doing this. Our military has never done that. They don't run away. If the one thing my military has taught me, the United States military has taught me, is that you don't fall back to a defensive position. You fall back to a secondary offensive one. <laughs> and so everything I do in life is based on, you know, everything, everything I'm afraid of is based on that. You know, if I'm going to be offensive in a situation um, and I start to get beat back a little bit, I fall back to a secondary offensive position, not defensive position. 
I am never on the defense. It sounds like I am because I'm rebutting you strongly. That's not defensive. It's called a rebuttal. Okay? So the, uh, the U.S. efforts to restrict China's access to uh, technological components is really, it's really a significant attempt to hinder China's military development, which makes China very mad. It's going to prevent China from building military capabilities that would put it on, on par with the U.S., let's put it that way. So the technological war is a vessel in the U.S. that the U.S. can use to slow Chinese development in core technologies that lead to military development, economic expansion, or that utilize AI for malicious activity, such as surveillance and monitoring. All right? What's the Chinese going to do with all this military equipment when they get it and they start? To, they're going to try selling it to people who are friendly to the Chinese's way of life and their, their way of doing things, okay? In other words, allies. So we also have to understand that it's important to contextualize the, the trade war with China and the U.S., right? So when Trump was president in 2018, the U.S. imposed tariffs on trade barriers on Chinese imported goods that evolved into the beginnings of a technology war between China and the U.S., okay? And um, in The Guardian, which is a fairly <clears throat> economic type of uh, newspaper at times, they can be uh, in the middle, right? And I, I like to read stuff that's in the middle. They, they have an analysis of trade, and they, they start with the trade deficit. But I have an analysis of trade, <laughs> and we're not going to use theirs. We're going to use mine because mine's better, okay? So uh, the U.S. imported 530 Nine or $540 billion in goods from China in 2018. And, and, and Trump said, that's cool. But we only sold the Chinese $120 billion in return, right? That's a difference of $419 billion. No, that's a big trade deficit. Did you hear that number? $419 billion. And that's been growing for years as a lot of manufacturing has gone over to China, which... Hallows out U.S. manufacturing, right? Then you got thievery, right? China has a deserved reputation for intellectual property theft. Hundreds of billions of dollars a year in ideas they steal from us. One in five U.S. corporations said intellectual property was stolen from them within the last year, right? These thefts are about $600 billion a year. I mean, $600 billion a year. Whoa, whoa. You know, wonder we have a deficit we have of $33 trillion. The rest of the world has our money too. Okay? Then you got, then you got how, what they call Beijing bucks, right? Which is how they manipulate their currency. And it's, and, and it's also money that the Chinese government uses from the Chinese money from the government itself, okay, to subsidize failing Chinese companies, which is unfair. You know, businesses are meant to live and die on the businessman's acumen. Not on whether or not the government can give you money. Now, I know we've done that in the past with the auto industry. We need the auto industry in this country. It's important. China does it with everything. All right? And then they send over a lot of cheap steel and aluminum, which brings down the price of our, cheap, of our steel and aluminum. And they do it with, like, steel wheels, tool chests, and cabinets. Okay? And it's, it's an unfair advantage that they have. Um... Like I said, they manipulate their currency, right? To gain unfair competitive advantage in international trade. China argues that 
the United States is, you know, deliberately destroying the international auto with what they call unilateralism and protectionism. But the, the International Monetary Fund is there for a reason. And, and these people seem to be on China's side. They keep saying that the devaluation of the yuan is largely in line with worsening economy, ec- economic conditions in China. But I just told you that China has $419 billion a year more than we do in just in trade alone with the, Uni- with the United States. So how do they have an economic problem? They don't have an economic problem. They're pushing that money to their military. Okay? That's what they're doing. You know, there's escalating domestic disputes over human rights in China, right? And Western executives, they got to be able to put profit or principles first. In Xinjiang, in Xinjiang, where the U.S., uh, uh, European Union, and the U- U.K. have basically accused the Chinese government of repressing the Uyghurs and other minority groups by putting them into forced labor camps, mass detention, and sterilization. I mean, that's what the Nazis were doing. Are we doing business with Nazis? Is that what we're doing? You have to ask yourself, if you're, if you're an executive to a company, you got to ask yourself, is that what I'm doing? I mean, what do you do if you're a company that's going on? If you're LeBron James, you're like, you just shut up and keep playing fucking basketball. That's what you do. And you have your, your sneakers and your jackets and your hats printed there. If you're LeBron James, that's what you do. You just keep playing basketball the way the Chinese government tells you to keep playing basketball. And you don't say another word about it. Okay? But, right, if you feel that profits matter more than people, you know, welcome to capitalism. So, sorry if profits matter more than people. But companies shouldn't be worried about people. They should be worried about profit. Okay? And people come later to companies. Profit comes first. Yes, you get profit from people. And yes, you get profit by treating people properly. No, you get more profit by treating people properly. You're going to get profit from people anyway. That's it. So people just don't understand that, right? Beijing has denied all of these, of course. And you can, I mean, they, they use words like here. Beijing has vehemently denied all the allegations and says its camps are in regions uh, where they have vocational training centers designed to combat terrorism and religious extremism. Wow, you literally just called the Chinese Muslims terrorists for being religious. Wow, that's what the Chinese government just told the rest of the world. <laughs> Words are important, dude. Okay. Uh, international firms are often forced to concede certain aspects of their business before they're allowed to access to the market. That's it. They're going to have to give up some of their secrets before they're even allowed access to the Chinese market, which is 1.2, you know, 1.2 billion people, 1.5 billion people. Okay. All this means is that we're heading for a reckoning with Chinese government. That's all it means. And it's a large overscale untested military that we're going for. Being poked and prodded by the enemy, you know, allowing them to take little pieces off you kind of gives you the nerve, gives the enemy the nerve to try and take that bigger bite, right? And the U.S. is right to make China a superpower then destroy its economy to get it to go to war so it can bring freedom to its shores. Yeah, yeah, we're right to do that. That's our moral responsibility as a free nation and a democratic republic to make others just like us so we can rule them all. It's called world domination, right? Well, haven't you heard? (laughs) It's all the rage now, folks. I mean, literally, we've been doing this since 1795. But I can tell you this, right? 
I can tell you this. If China decides that, that they're going to come here with their army, they're out of their mind. They're out of their minds. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> it's important. I'm not fucking leaving. Uh-huh. Dad, that's right. We're not going anywhere. Uh-huh. The show goes on. It certainly does, baby. Capitalism's going to win. This is my home. Uh-huh. They're going to need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. Oh, yes, they are. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. You know the deal. We're excited at the end of this show today, huh? Huh? That's things you're not supposed to talk about with Louis G. And I hope that you enjoyed the things you're not supposed to talk about today. And one of them is the Chinese. You know, like nobody talking about them. But we talked about that. We talked the hell out of them today. You have a great day, folks. Thank you. Bye.